Hey everybody, what is going on? It is just Jason here flying solo. You're listening to the Board Game Mechanics. Uh, Katie's feeling a little under the weather, so I'm going to just do a solo episode today. So we're going to take a pause in the top 100, and we'll come back with that next week. But today, when we get to the feature, I'm going to have something really cool for you. So I don't want to spoil that too much. We'll get to it. But first thing I want to talk about is I wanted to give a shout out to Scott for sending me a cool game. Uh, I actually forget. Oh, yeah. The game is called Bamarzo. It's like some weird title I couldn't remember. I didn't even know this was uh, based on a real location, but I looked it up. It's interesting. Uh, it's a looks like a fantastic Euro game that I can't wait to bust into. All I've done is take it off the shrink and look at it. Seems fantastic. Seems like it's up my alley. So big thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. I will get this played and have a great time. Now, that's all I really got at the top. Not a lot of room for banter when it's just me by myself. Um, I could say something to um, be ridiculous, but I'm not going to do that. So let's just move on to some news. Okay, so normally in the news section, Katie talks about some Kickstarter, some stuff she found on GameFound. I didn't want to look that stuff up. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about some actual industry news that I thought thought was interesting and that I wanted to talk about. So the first thing that I wanted to mention is the company board game tables. Now, they've been making a lot of the games lately. Uh, but they also make board game tables, and their company is called BoardGameTables.com. Because at the beginning, they only made tables, but they've been moving into the games. They've been having some really great games. So they are changing their name, or their whole entire brand, I think, to a company called All Play. Um, it's still the same company. It's still the same product, same games, same tables, all that kind of thing. But they're going with a more... Um, all-encompassing name as opposed to just being focused on tables so i think that's cool i don't know how well if that's a smart decision necessarily because everybody knows them from board game tables everybody knows them from you know some of the other stuff that they've got going on they're already used to that branding now they're gonna have to try to get you know used to this whole other name so that's not a big deal i guess it's just i don't know maybe not something i would do but again who am i i'm just a a guy who talks about board games. But the next one, now this is the one that I really wanted to talk about. And this is a Kickstarter that recently just canceled. And this was a Kickstarter for Lords of Vegas. So if you don't know about Lords of Vegas, this was a game that, I don't know, it's been out. It was out before. And now it's like criminally out of print, going for crazy prices on the secondary market. There's a couple expansions, but this game is effectively like you're building up a casino. We've talked about it ad nauseum on the channel. You're building these casinos. You're trying to own as much of the Vegas Strip as you can to score a pile of cash. That's kind of what's going on. But in this Kickstarter, basically what they were doing is they were reprinting the game, which is awesome. It's good to get this game out into more people's hands because it's a great game. And I think people need to play it. But the interesting thing here is they didn't do any graphical overhaul, basically. They changed the paper money around, which they still had paper money, woof. And they changed the box. Uh, the box was fine, whatever. But just doing those two tweaks and reprinting the game and including one of the expansions, the up expansion, they were wanting to charge $90 for that, plus shipping. Then they were trying to charge um, an extra, I think, $45 
for an expansion, the new Americana expansion, which is new. It wasn't, it's not something that's been out before. And it just seemed like a, you know, a misstep to put this project out, not do anything about it, not change it around, not change the graphic design around, charge an obscene amount of money that is what's going on the secondary market. And you're getting, actually, I think we got my copy for a hundred dollars. That included shipping. So all said and done, the copy that I have would have been cheaper than this new reprint after shipping and all that stuff is said and done. And that's crazy to me. Like, I don't know. It, it's a great game. It's There's so much stuff that they could have done on this Kickstarter. And maybe that's why they canceled it so they can reevaluate and see what's going on to try to you know meet the funding goal. Because it had like 13 days left and it was still at 80% or something. It just wasn't funding. I don't think people were into... Getting just a straight reprint with some a different box. Who cares about the box? Make the game look cooler. Uh, maybe add some stuff to the game, whatever. If you're going to reprint it, reprint it right. But just wanted to mention that because I was excited for people to get the game, but doesn't appear like that's going to be happening until next year. So that's the news. Let's keep going. Okay, so now let's get into the games played section. So... I could talk about a bunch of games here, but I'm only going to talk about two because I have 10 games I'm going to be talking about in the feature and I don't want to make this solo podcast go longer than like a half an hour because who wants to hear me ramble off for longer than that? But the games that we that I played, Katie played these two. Uh, the first game we're going to talk about is a game called Quacks and Co. And this is effectively a kid's version or a family weight version, a more family weight version of Quacks of Quedlinburg. It's the same kind of feel, but in this one, you're racing to the end of this track. But the way the game works is you're going to still reach into your bag, but you're taking turns, and you're going to pull out a chip. Those chips are going to be a certain color, and they're going to have a number on it. The number is how many spaces you get a move on the track, and the color of the chip is the special power that's going to activate. So some may let you draw other chips. Some may give you, um, may upgrade your chips. Some may get you some um, gems, all that kind of thing. But also in this bag is a Dreamweed, I think is what it's called. I can't remember. I think it's Dreamweed. And that's kind of like the white chip from Quacks. If you draw that, you basically skip your turn and you put it in on your player board. If you get three Dreamweeds, it resets your bag basically and it allows you to buy some chips using the gems that you've gotten. And all the chips have a gem cost. Then they value, they range from one to, I think the gems, the cost is one, two, three, four, five. And the chips are one, two, four, five, and eight. Uh, and you, you can buy as many as you want. You just can't buy the same color as long as you have gems for it. And you're just, that's the course of the game. You're going to be doing all of that, taking turns until somebody makes it to the top of the track. First person to get up there is the winner. It's a fun game. I don't think I'd want to play it with adults. We played it with adults just because I wanted to try it. It's not bad, but I'd just rather play Quacks. But if you have a small kids or people who aren't into a ton of games, maybe this will be a good entry way to get into some of that push your luck bag building stuff because it was enjoyable and it's super fast. It's like 20 minutes or something. So yeah, if you like quacks, you have some kids and you maybe want to play a game with them that, you know, will get them closer to be able to play, play quacks. I'd say give quacks and co a go. All right. And the next game that we played, we actually played both of these on the same day. And this is a game from game, right? And it's called Pyramix. I don't know why it's called that, but effectively all this game is, it's, it's a little cube drafting game. You're going to put all these cubes that have, there's four different types of cubes. There's onks, 
like cranes and this like all seeing eye and a, like a cobra. That's it. And they're different colors. The cobra's red, but everything else is one of four different colors. And on your turn, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be able to take a cube as long as two sides are exposed. But there's a couple other rules. If it's next to us, a uh, cobra, you can't take it. They're, the cobra blocks it. You can take a cobra, but that's going to free up stuff for the next player. Or you can't take a die or a cube if it would make it so it's the last cube on the plastic base. Those are basically the rules. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to score the most points. So onks are worth one. Cranes are worth two. Eyes are worth three. Easy enough. But whoever has the most of each of the colors of the onks gets to get all of the dye of those colors that are still left on the little plastic base. So that's where the kind of the game comes in. Like you may not get a ton of points because you have a lot of onks, but if you had the most onks of blue and there's six blue dice left on the base, you're going to score a pile of points. So while you're scoring points while playing, a lot of it comes down to the in-game scoring and that can really change the game. It's a cool game. It's really simple. It's, I don't know, 15 minutes, kind of like a thinky little filler. It's a Minta game. So just a little game to play while you're waiting to set up another bigger game or whatever. It was enjoyable. I like it. Um, people were asking if it compared to Dice Miner. I mean, other than the fact that there are dice sitting on a plastic thing, they're not really the same at all. Um, dice Miner is more of a game because you're like rolling dice and holding dice back and using dice for special abilities and all that thing. And this one, you're just taking cubes to score points. But other than the plastic base, they don't really have anything in common. But Pyramix is a fun game. If you're into like abstract games, give it a shot. So the games we played, Quacks and Co. and Pyramix. Now, let's move on. All right, so we would normally be doing our favorite top 100 games. We would be on like thing number 50 to 41. But since Katie's not here, we're going to postpone that till next week. And I am going to talk about... My favorite games of 2022. Now, everybody's been doing it. This is the time to do these lists. Mine will probably have a lot of overlap with everybody else because the good games that came out this year are good games and they're getting talked about. But I at least wanted to talk about mine uh, just to get it out there in the ether. If you like the games that I like, maybe you can look some of these games up and check them out. Now, another caveat is there are some games that are reprints. But I had never played the first edition, either being out of print or I just didn't have it. So I'm including those on this list because they officially did get reprinted this year. So to me, that counts. So let's go ahead and jump in. So nine number 10 is a game that my friend Chris brought over and we played it. And it's a game called Eternal Palace. And this is basically a dice placement game. You have um, a certain number of dice and you're going to roll those dice and then behind your player board, you're going to put them into groups. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to use these groups to basically move up on a bunch of different tracks. The reason you want to move up on tracks is they're going to help you get resources, maybe help you build some buildings. But ultimately, if you get to the top of the track, you get to paint a feature. And that's what this game is all about. A feature is basically this cardboard thing that you're putting on this background that's on an easel, and you're getting one point for all these features. There's also, um, I think they're landscapes, and you can get features. You're trying to paint landscapes and features, and everything. all of those is worth a point. The game is going to end when someone has eight landscapes, and then you're going to count up the score. 
it's a pretty simple game. Just roll some dice, group them, put them out on the board, move up on tracks. There's some cards you can buy that are going to help you in your journey. Um, there's a, it's, there's not much more than that. It's literally just tracks, piles and tracks. Every space is a track. You have to use some spaces need one die. Some spaces need two. Some spaces need three. So depending on what spaces you want to go to, however many dice you use, the track shorter. But while you're doing that, other people are doing other things on other tracks. It's a really simple game. It's it's a lot of work to get a few points. And I think that's what some people don't like about it. But I don't mind. I just like the journey. So to me, Eternal Palace is one of my favorite games that came out in 2022. And it's my number 10. Now, moving on from one palace to another. This is the first reprint uh, on my list. I think I only have two. Two of these are reprints. But this is the the first one. The other game was out of print. I never played it. Didn't know it, you know, didn't know much about it. So my number nine is the Palaces of Carrara Second Edition. And this game is from Game Brewer. It's a I think a Kramer and Keesling game. And it's fantastic. What you're doing in this game is you are collecting you you're doing one of two things on your turn. Basically, there's a couple, well, three things, I guess. You're going to either move this little wheel to collect building blocks that are different colors. You have to pay the price based on where they are on the wheel. As the uh, wheel spins, goods that are on the wheel are going to decrease in value and new ones will come out and all that kind of thing. Or you're going to use blocks that you have to build buildings to put them on your player board in one of the, I think, six different colors on your player board. Each color that you build in is going to score or provide income in a different way. There's money spaces and there's point places. So you're trying to figure out where you want to build for the next action that you can take, which is scoring. So in this one, it's a little different than the first one. I played some online games of the first one and I did terrible. But in this one, you put all these pillars out in these different scoring groups. Each player has one on each of these different scoring groups. So if you're not going to get income or if you're not going to buy cubes and you're not going to build... You can score. You take one of your pillars off this place and you get an you get a bonus. And then you're going to score it. Uh, you may score for a certain building type. You may score for all of your buildings in a certain city. You may score for um, color tiles that you have and all that kind of thing. You're just trying to end the game with the most points. But not every time you score are you going to get points. Sometimes you need to get money because you need to use money to build to buy building blocks and that helps you build buildings to help keep the scoring going and all that kind of thing. And the game ends after a certain number of scoring. I don't remember all the, the details of it, but it's a fantastic game. I know I like this better than the first one just from what I've seen and the online plays, but the first one or second one doesn't really matter. That's a great game. But on my list, it's the second one because it came out in 2022. So my number nine, The Palaces of Carrara, second edition. All right, so my number eight is a game that we've talked about a lot on the podcast. And this is a game from Target designed by Phil Walker Harding. And this is called Planted, a Game of Nature and Nurture. And I think this was on someone's uh, top 100 outside of the 100, maybe both of ours. I'm not sure. But this is a drafting game where you are collecting cards that are going to give you different kinds of icons. Uh, maybe water, maybe sun, maybe plant food, maybe green thumbs, to ultimately use those icons to grow plants, which are some of the cards that you can also acquire by not keeping the card that you draft, but discarding it and taking a plant from the plant row. You can have a total of six plants. 
if you can get the proper tokens for the plants, it will be, it'll get a growth token. Each plant takes a certain number of growth tokens and they'll give you a certain amount of points for each one that's on there based on how many they need. And once they get all the way full, then you get max points. And you, there's some in-game goal cards that you can acquire as well. Maybe you want floor plants. Maybe you want table plants. Maybe you want hanging plants. And then you get some extra points and all that kind of thing. It's a really simple drafting game. It has fantastic production. I mean, these bits are great. This is a 20 to $30 game, mass market, and the bits are off the chain. They're fantastic. Um, I don't know how they keep this price point where it is. But they do, and I love it, and this game is fantastic. If you're looking for a really easy game to play with maybe family at holidays or just with non-gamers, I would recommend this one because it's easy to play. It's a theme that everybody can understand, and it's just a good time. So my number eight is Planted, a game of nature and nurture. All right, so my number seven is the second reprint, sort of. And I say sort of because this is a big box version of a game that was normally just a small box of cards. And this is called Port Royal Big Box. Now, I never played Port Royal. I didn't know any, I mean, I know about it, but I never got a chance to play it. It was from Steve Jackson, I think, for a while. Um, Eggert Spiel, this big box version's from Eggert Spiel. No, Pegasus Spiel. And um, all this big box version is is a reprint plus all the expansions and I don't know how many expansions there were originally, but this has co-op. It has a shortened version to get you jump started. It has a longer version. There's like a campaign thing. Um, but I've only ever played the base game in the big box. I threw in some extra cards just to make it longer and crazier, but this is just a push your luck game. You are flipping a deck of cards, trying to earn money from pirate boats Maybe use money that you have to acquire characters. But the trick here is if you flip cards and you get two of the same color boat and you can't fight it off by one of the pirates that you have in front of you with the cutlasses, then you bust. You don't get a chance to buy. No one gets a chance to buy anything. Um, and you just wasted your turn. But the more different color boat you can get out, the more opportunities, the more different cards you can buy or take from the tableau. So if you can get all five different color boats out without busting, which is pretty tricky, you can take, I think, three cards from the display. Normally you can take one because it takes, I think, three card, three different color boats to change that around. But if you can get all five of them, you can get a whole pile of cards, earn a whole bunch of money, um, acquire a bunch of characters and eventually you're going to be using the characters that you turned in. Some of them have icons to get these bigger like goal cards that are going to come out and they just give you more points. I think it's a race to like 12 points and whoever hits that first ends the game, finish the round, whoever has most points after all that's the winner. It's super fun. It may go on a little too long, but again, you can adjust it in this big box version by playing the little shorter game, but I don't care. It's a fun time. It's frustrating. It's hard to shuffle all the cards. That kind of makes it frustrating too. But getting through all of that, it's a fantastic game. It's fun. I like it quite a bit. So my number seven, possibly a cheat. I don't care. Port Royal Big Bucks. All right. So now my number six is the first game from Kids Table Board Game that's going to be on my list. So that means there's going to be another one higher. And this game is called Power Plants. And this is one that uh, we had a friend pick us up pick up for us at Gen Con because we weren't able to go. And this is a game about some area control. It's an area control game. 
But the interesting thing here is you're, you're using these different tiles. I think you have five or six different tiles that you're going to play with each time. And all these tiles are going to have a different ability when you place it on the, the map. So you're going, to, you're going to have two tiles in front of you, I believe. And you're going to take one, you're going to place it on the map. Based on what kind of action you want to take is what's going to happen. There's a grow and I think there's, a, there's two different actions. One's weaker and one is stronger. But the weaker one lets you activate other things. The bigger one that lets you activate the tile that you're doing. So it's a kind of a trade-off. Do you want to just do a really strong action once, or do you want to do a bunch of little growth actions that fire off all the adjacent tiles? And you're trying to do this because you're trying to get sprites out on these tiles to control the tiles and the territories. And at the end of the game, when all the tiles are out, uh, you're going to count up all that territory of these different color tiles. So say there's four yellow tiles together. The size of those tiles are going to determine how many points you're going to get if you have the most tiles controlled. It doesn't matter how many sprites you have on a tile, you have to control more tiles than everybody else. So someone can have three tiles with one, I could have one tile with five, that person will win because they control more tiles. And then you're just trying to get the most points after all that happens. Um, some of the plants are mean. Some There's a lot of like back and forth, knocking people's sprites off. You may capture some, they have to buy them back with points. It has a fantastic production with these really cool like wooden weird shaped tiles they're basically hexes but they look cooler than a hex and a great player aid that tells you what all the plants do uh, there's daylight and nighttime there's some advanced plants that you can use and this is just the retail edition but i like this quite a bit not my favorite kids table board game game by any means but it's definitely fun and i enjoy it so my number six power plants all right, so my number five is a game that I could have swore came out in 2021, but BGG says 2022, so here it is on my list. And that game is called Merchants of the Dark Road. Um, this game we've played quite a bit. The first time we played it, it was with the nice fancy deluxe board with the great lanterns. Uh, I think we played it again with that one that I, of course, bought one that's, you know, the retail version. It still plays the same, but it's all cardboard bits. And this is a game about, what is this game? It's a dice action selection game where you're moving around this rondelle, trying to visit these locations to acquire heroes and get like contracts. And you're trying to basically pick up and deliver these different types of things, like maybe a loot, like a guitar, a loot, L-U-T, um, some staff some potions a book uh, a gun and you're trying to deliver those things to certain locations on the map you also want to deliver these heroes as well so you're trying to get heroes and um, contracts that go to the same place to make delivering easier because the whole point of the game is delivering to score points and the interesting thing about this is there's two scoring tracks well one scoring track but there's two ways you're scoring you're getting money and you're getting prestige. Prestige is on the track. Money is hidden in either behind your player board or in these little bags. And at the end of the game, you're going to score for your lowest one. So the whole time you're trying to manage, you know, how much money you're getting, how many points you're getting, because you want to try to keep them even so you're not wasting a bunch of points at the end of the game. It has some really cool stuff in it where you can travel and you can follow people, just mooch along to try to get benefits, even if you're not going to deliver anything. Some people don't like that, but who cares? It's fun. 
Uh, there's this illuminated die that if you use that, you get to take extra actions on your turn. Um, there's a lot of rolling these bonus cool dice that give you just a bunch of rewards. It just showers you with good stuff. Every action is every turn has a great possibility that you can do. And I like it quite a bit. And the art's cool. Even on the retail production, the uh, retail edition, the production is fine. It's just cardboard chits and some people aren't into that, but I don't care. So my number five, a game that sets from 2022, so I'm going with it. Merchants of the Dark Road. Number four, this one should be no surprise to anyone. I love this game. I love games about racing horses. And this one may be my favorite horse racing game. And this is a long shot the dice game. This is a roll and write effectively horse racing game where you are rolling these two dice. One's going to give you the number of the horse and one's going to give you the number that it's going to move. All these horses are going to move that number. And then there might be some secondary movement that happens based on stuff that's crossed off on that card. Then each player based on the number that was rolled is going to get to do one action based on that horse. So if number three is rolled, I can use that three to do one of, I think five different things. I can cross off a a three in my concession stand trying to get rows and columns to get bonuses. That's what you're doing there. I can cross off either the helmet or the jersey of that horse. The helmet lets me, um, I think, bet on the horse after it crosses a certain threshold. And the jersey, you just want to pair with the helmet because it gives you an extra five bucks. You can use that horse to bet. I could bet on that horse that it's going to win. I think, or I could buy the horse. That's the only time the turn order really matters because if multiple people want to buy the horse, you have to go in turn order. And if you own the horse and it wins, you get some extra points. But also if you own the horse, it gives you some special abilities when certain things happen or a one-time ability when you buy it. There's a bunch of different horses. And it's just great. You're going to keep going until I think three horses cross the finish line for a win play show, you know, like that. And then you're going to see who has the most money at the end of the game. Whoever has the most money is the winner. It has a lot of rules overhead for a little game. It's kind of hard to teach. Um, There's some tricky rules. The helmet and the jersey thing is really hard to explain because it doesn't really make sense. Concession stand, everybody grasps on that a little bit quicker because it's just crossing stuff off, getting rows and columns like bingo. Uh, But yeah, it's once you can get past all that, it's a great game. It can play up to like eight players or something too. It's a ton of players that can play. It's just a good time. I love it. I want to play it right now just talking about it. And this will be one that I'm going to keep around for a long time. And whenever there's big groups, it's going to be coming out. So my number four, Long Shot, the Dice Game. All right, so number three is the second and the final Kids Table Board Games game on my list. And this may be my favorite game from them. It's either this one or Rec Raiders. It's a toss-up. But my number three is Creature Comforts. And this is a game that I think we picked up at... I don't know where we got it. Maybe Origins or something. Uh, And this is... It's a worker placement game that has some dice rolling. So each player is going to have a family of a different critter and you're going to have two dice that go with your, your family color. You're going to roll those two dice. You're going to have some information. Then you're going to put your characters out on a space to try to collect resources, maybe build some, these cool, like, um, comforts that are like rocking chairs and blankets. There's projects you can build. You can go acquire new cards, uh, go visit the town visitor, all that kind of thing. But the tricky thing is you don't know what all the dice are going to be because after everybody places, you know two. You know your own two. But then you're going to roll four more. 
So you're doing some kind of speculation to say, hey, I have two twos. I know I need three twos to go to this space. What's the chances that one of these four dice will be a two? So then I go out to these spaces, somebody rolls the dice, and then everybody gets to use those shared dice along with their two to take the actions. You'd never block anybody out. Everybody can go anywhere. Um, if it turns out that you go to a place and you can't take the action, you can get this little lesson learned token, which is like a little Band-Aid, and that lets you manipulate dice going forward to make make it so maybe that stuff doesn't happen again. There's going to be times where you're not going to be able to do all your stuff. There's going to be times where you're going to be able to do all your stuff and have dice left, just the way that it works. So you're just collecting resources, turning them in to build things to score points. That's kind of it. It's a simple game to play, but that extra bit of not knowing what all the dice are really jazzes this up a little bit. Adorable art, great production. Uh, we bought the retail game, but then we ended up getting, I think, the Kickstarter Deluxe Bits at Origins or something. So we basically have the Kickstarter version, and it doesn't matter, but those wooden bits are nice. So if you're into interesting worker placement games that are pretty accessible for anybody to play, I highly recommend this one. It's super good. It's got great production, great art, and it's just a fun game. So my number three, Creature Comforts. All right, so my next one, if you've been listening to anything at all that I've said before or seen any posts that I've done on social media, you should kind of be guessing what my next two are going to be. Number one should be more than obvious. But number two is a game that's pretty new as of the time of this recording. I'm not sure when it came out. I know it was delivered from Kickstarter sometime this year. And this is called Endless Winter Paleo Americans. And this is a worker placement game and a deck builder game and an area majority game and a racing up a tracks game. It has a little bit of everything. But effectively what you're doing in this is you are taking four turns over the course of four rounds. That's it. Four rounds, four turns. And you are trying to make the best of the cards in your hand with the workers that you have. Now, the worker spaces are really easy. There's four on the board. Each are going to let you do certain things. One will let you get some animals that you can use some set collection or you can kill them to get some stuff. One will let you put these tents out on the area control board, move them around, maybe build some settlements to help you get some points and some bonuses during Eclipse, which we'll get to. One will let you acquire new culture cards, which are basically cards that can help you, that you play before you take your action to help you get ready to maybe have stuff to do for your action that turn. And then one will let you acquire more um, tribes cards, which will basically like the deck building cards where you're going to get new cards to put in your deck. They'll come out to help you take the actions. They're going to each be specific cards relating to one of the four actions on the board. And there's also a space on your own board, which is a rest action, which you can go like kill an animal and get some extra labor for Eclipse. Now, everything is driven through labor. Cards have certain labor requirements. Each of the actions on the action board take certain labor or maybe food and weapons to do certain actions. Now, after everybody's done that through four, four turns, then you're going to go to an eclipse phase that every, any card that you have left in your hand, you can put in a pile called the eclipse pile. Then we're all going to reveal at the same time, whoever has the most labor basically gets higher, gets moves up in the turn order and you're going to get some kind of special ability. You may get, uh, you know, a free card. You may get to put a megalith out, which is this little board where you put a rock, like a little stone down, and you get a bonus. You're going to be scoring points if someone builds on top of you and all that kind of thing. Um, you may get to bury some cards because as you thin out your deck, 
when you remove cards from the game, they go in your burial pile. Those are going to be worth points depending on where you move up on this other track. There's a lot of stuff in this game, a lot of things going on. It looks pretty overwhelming. It doesn't really seem like it has a lot of coherency, but I love this game. I think everything works together perfectly. I don't think anything is tacked on. I think everything that's in this game needs to be in this game. I think the the way that you can go to an action space and use cards in your hand or use food or weapons to maybe not have to use the cards to make an even another space even better by use be able to use more cards. It's just fantastic. Everything about this game is great. I love it. I want it. Um, there's not anything negative that I can say about this game other than maybe it's a little long, but again, I don't care about that as much as long as the game is engaging. And I think this game is crazy engaging. I love everything about it. The Miko or the Micho's art is great. I like the color palettes. It even has a mini for your, um, like tribe leader, which also gives you some asymmetric ability. Kinda basically when you go to a spot, or you do something, you can pay some stuff and he'll give you like a bonus. And everybody has a different one, depending on how you're playing. There's a basic and there's an advanced. Uh, it's it's great. If you like deck builders, worker placement, all that kind of thing, you need to check this out because it is well worth the time of learning and well worth the plays. So my number two, Endless Winter, Paleo Americans. All right, so now we're at the number one. This one should be no surprise. I mean, I've been blathering on about this game since I played it. Um, I've raged about the name, the marketing campaign, all that kind of thing. But my number one, Wonderland's War. This is from Skybound and Druid City Games. And this is a game that is basically, I don't know, Quacks of Quedlinburg on steroids maybe is a undersell, I guess. But that's kind of what it feels like. It's basically a game that's, Played over three rounds, and each of those rounds are in two distinct phases. The first phase is every all the players are moving around the tea party table trying to collect cards, and these cards are going to do a plethora of things. They may get you Wonderlandians. They will come join your team to help you in the battles, which we'll talk about in a minute. They may get you more chips to put in your bag because this is a bag-building chip pulling game the more chip good chips you have in your bag the more likely you are to not bust in phase two it may let you put castles out on the board it may let you get rid of some shards because madness shards are bad they give you madness tokens in your bag it may let you um put a whole bunch of meeples down in these certain locations to help you in the battle uh it's just a lot of those things it may it's just mostly chips wonderlandians all these really crazy cool things that they do, maybe remove chips from your bag, that kind of stuff. Then once everybody has a certain number of cards from that phase, they take their leader and they put it out into one of the five locations or four, depending on the number of players. And then we're going to start phase two, which is the battling. The battling is reminiscent of quacks. And what that means is everybody's going to stick their hand in their bag and they're going to pull out a chip. You do this all at the same time. So, Reach them in, pull one out. We all open our hand. If we have a chip in there, we do what the chip says. We move on this little battle track. If you don't have a chip in there, you pass and you're done in that battle. Now, the only way you can be in a battle is if you have either meeples in that location or if you have a leader or a Wonderlandian that you control in that location. You have no leaders. You have no Wonderlandians. You have no meeples. You can't participate. Even if you have a castle, you have to have some kind of character. Then basically all those characters are going to do, some of the Wonderlandians will give you a special ability. Your leader gives you strength to help you move up, basically gives you a head start on the track. 
And the, basically, the more people you have in that location, the more chances you're going to have of pulling bad stuff out of your bag. Madness chips are going to make you lose characters from the battle that you're in. So if you know, I pull out a double madness, I'd have to lose two characters. If I only have one character in that location, I'd have to lose it. There's a way to prevent, but you know, I had to lose it and I'm out of the battle. I busted. But some good things happen if you bust. You get to refill your shield, which is like the potion and quacks to protect you from busting. Um, and then, you know, I get to refill my bag and all that kind of thing. It's it's fantastic. You do that three times. Tea party battle, tea party battle, tea party battle. And you're just trying to end the game with the most points. There's um, If you win the bat, every battle that you win, you're going to get some points. If you're the sole winner, you get points and you get to put a castle in that location, which adds to your battle strength. Also gives you points at the end of the game. Uh, if you tie for first, someone gets the point, someone gets the castle. There's second place points, which are pretty terrible, but at least it's not nothing. There's stuff you chips you can put on your player board to help you upgrade your character even more you can unlock special abilities it's it's great it's it's one of the best games that i think i've ever played and we haven't talked about it on my top 100 it won't be till the last episode of that so there's a little spoiler for you but wonderland's war is a great great game i love it i wish the marketing would have been better i wish this was more readily available because i want everybody to play this game because it is fantastic so my number one wonderland's war all right so let's do a quick recap and then we'll get out of here I was a little over to 30 minutes, but I had to talk about these games. So my number 10 is Eternal Palace. My number 9 is The Palaces of Carrara. Number 8 is Planted, A Game of Nature and Nurture. 7 is Port Royal Big Box. 6 is Power Plants. 5, Merchants of the Dark Road. 4, Long Shot the Dice Game. 3, Creature Comforts. 2, Endless Winter Paleo-Americans. And 1, Wonderland's War. And it's won by a long shot. So those are some of my favorite games of 2022. I rated about 60 or 70 games that I've played from 2022, and these are cream of the crop. I was going to put Libertalia, the new reprint, on there, but again, I didn't want half my list to be reprints, so I took that off. I just slid the number 11 down to number 10, which is Eternal Palace. And yeah, there's so many good games that came out this year. I'm sure that I haven't even played half of them, but of the ones I've played, these are the ones that I enjoy. So that was a, a kind of a short chaos episode uh we'll come back with the normal zaniness and craziness next week but i wanted you to at least have something to tide you over until we can come back at full strength and just keep talking about our favorite games of all time so that's it that's all i've got so i'm jason and as always keep gaming <laughs>